You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. We are here bringing you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, and music that we see, listen to, and observe throughout our careers. Today's episode will feature spoilers, so please make sure you check out the piece we are discussing today before listening ahead. You have been warned. We are here on our 50th episode, our 50th podcast episode. I never thought we'd get this far. I guess maybe I thought. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm very excited to be here. Today, we are discussing the Broadway revival production of For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough at the Booth Theater in New York City. And we're really excited because we have a very special guest with us today. We decided to bring a guest on for our 50th episode. I'd like to introduce to you a wonderful friend. He is a TV producer. He's an avid theater goer. And his name is Tariq Flanagan. So welcome, Tariq. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on 50. This Thank is you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Tariq um, was with us when we saw the show yesterday, April 7th. 2022. Um, and so we saw the production. We're here to discuss. And what I'm going to do is what I normally do. I'm going to give a little bit of background on the piece, and then we'll dive into a discussion about it. All right. So for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough is a play by Entozaki Shange. It is a um, play that premiered in 1976. It received a Tony nomination in 1977 for best play. Uh, it, it, this is the Broadway revival of this play, and it is a poetry dance piece telling the stories of seven women who have suffered oppression in a racist and sexist society. It's a choreo poem, they refer it to, and um, it did premiere at the Public Theater in 1976, as I said, ran on Broadway at the Booth Theater yeah. in 1976, which is very cool that now very we're cool. seeing it again there. Um, a little bit... Um, uh, Endozaki Shange has passed away. She died in 2018. Um, this was probably her most famous work. Um, it, it has since become a cornerstone of black feminist writing and 20th century drama. Um, it is inspired by her own life. She did admit publicly to have a t having attempted suicide four times in her life. Um, she talks about, she, in an interview, she talks about she was driving in Calif um, California and she was overcome by the appearance of two rainbows. And it was an, almost a near-death experience. I'm paraphrasing her quote here. And she drove through the rainbow and then it went away. And that's how she came up with the title. The Colors of the Rainbow became the essence of the women in the choreo poem. And she also explained one interesting fact. She explained that she chooses to use the word colored in the title of this so that her grandmother would be able to understand it. So there's a lot of history here with the title. Um, and just I wanted to kind of go starting by saying wh where this has come from. This is a revival that is directed and choreographed by Camille A. Brown, like I said, at the Public Theater. Uh, well, it was at the Public Theater. It, the Public Theater revived it in fall of 2019. And then it came to Broadway here now in this 2022 production. So my rambling is done. <laughs> I had to get that. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, it kind of sets the thing. <laughs> so Jeff and Tariq, thoughts. What are overall thoughts of this play as a whole, this production, both discuss. <laughs> you can go for it. I think my overall thought is this is one of those times where I leave the theater and I my first thought is that I'm excited and happy that it's on Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something that it's it's as you're talking about kind of the roots and the origin of the piece, I think it's important 
it's an important work. I think it's a different work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's telling a story that doesn't normally get told on Broadway. Uh, so for that reason, I'm I'm excited that it's that it's back on Broadway. For sure, sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is something that we normally don't hear. We don't really hear stories, uh, especially from women and let alone black women and what they're going through in life. So I think it's really important. And it's not just about, you know, a certain past. This is like real things that real people are going through. And especially when you say that these are kind of from her own life. That was one of my biggest questions from this piece was, where did some of this come from? Was this her own, you know, experiences in life? So that really changes the, the story for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I like this setup of it being poetry, dance, music, monologue. It's something that we don't see. It's not a, maybe a straight narrative book, musical or play. And I think that's kind of cool to see something like that and to revive it and bring it to the forefront. Um, and I, I found the emotions of the piece took me on a little bit of a roller coaster when we had silence, when we had movement. I almost felt like the dancing, you know, that's obviously such a huge element here. I felt like the dancing was the the uplifting emotion. That was when they felt, a lot of times, when they felt happy as a unit and expressed themselves. And then the dancing came at a time where maybe a monologue was ending in a really sad, serious, somber way. And then the dancing kind of took them out. In other words, in other moments, there was anger in dancing. I think the dancing was super important to the text as well, if that makes sense, you know, interwoven like that. Yeah, I do. I agree. Because I was, for me, the dance represented like where they came back together Mm -hmm. as a unit. That was like, okay, they're happy again. And is dance happiness for them? Um, And what each character, another thing for me was are these the same characters throughout the play? Right. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah. That was one thing I couldn't really grasp because sometimes I didn't think the story translated where, you know, maybe the woman in red or the woman in green was had the same story earlier, or it was just an earlier time in their life. And I, it, they just jumped fast to a different period. Right. And yeah, and I don't know. We, I, that's, that's a good question. And I don't know the answers to that. I feel like I looked at it as they were telling one story throughout. And I think part of that for me, I don't know if you either one, either one of you saw, I think it was about, 2010, the Tyler Perry movie right, version right. of this. Mm-hmm. And there was that one character who told that story throughout. So I kind of equated it the same way mm-hmm. as it's that actress, that person telling that story. And when you, you learn know? that a lot of these stories are from the playwright's perspective, meaning maybe one person's perspective. I, I don't know. I kind of like to think of it like multiple women's stories because when one of them felt vulnerable on stage or deeply connected to what they were saying, they appeared again. And like the rainbow appearing and these women representing different colors of the rainbow, they supported each other. And I almost looked at it as like a community of black women supporting each other mm-hmm. in different ways, not necessarily one person. It, I think it totally works both ways, but that's right. how I kind of took it as like, these are different people's journeys and stories and how black women at the time supported each other when it was written specifically in the seventies too. But that's, what's kind of cool about a piece like this is anyone can interpret it. Yeah. Right. That. Yeah. It's and it, not, it yeah. works. Yeah. 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 Especially if it's like, okay, well, if this is one character, maybe the colors are representing a certain time in that character's right. life. Right. You know, cause they never come out and say their name. I don't think, right? Mm. I never no, remember. Right, right, right. You know, they're just, they act as the color. So right. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, I did do a little research on what you were saying about the Tyler Perry. He actually gave the characters names, right. I think, yeah. right, too. So, but 
that's his interpretation of yeah. the work, right? Right. So, right. <laughs> you I did, know, I did. Think, I did like that there was diversity elements within this community. This these characters on stage too. There was different um, body types of these women. There was a deaf actress presented in this, which was a new the deaf actress in the role of Lady in Purple. That was really wonderful. So I think that was cool and to I see. Think it that goes even beyond that. I mean, I think. Yes, there was the deaf actress, but also looking, especially talking about the black woman's experience, there's the light-skinned black woman, there's the dark-skinned yes, black woman, yes. and I think that is so important. Oh, the yeah. So the body types are different. Like, I think that that is part of the story mm-hmm. as well, you know. And there was a part of me that was, there was a couple moments where I thought, oh, they're mentioning something, you know, one woman mentions like the 1950s, the 1960s, and recalling a past, and I was like, okay, there's definitely... Parts of it are, I don't want to say dated, but like, oh, oh, right, this wasn't written today. But then there's parts of me that's like, oh, it could have been written yesterday with the way some of these people are telling some of these stories. And unfortunately, some of these struggles haven't maybe gotten better for some of them. Some of them have and some of them haven't, which I think is why mm-hmm. it's a poignant piece to bring to the limelight now. Mm-hmm. No, I would you have know? thought it was today. Yeah. Yeah. Watching that, yeah. I, I would have yeah. thought that this was written today. I get, yeah, I mean, and another thing is, well, let's talk about this production in particular, because we have a, a really well-known Broadway choreographer who's now directing. Actually, a fun fact here, this is the first time in 67 years since a black woman has directed and choreographed a production on Broadway. So, like, inspiring to see that. And and what do we think of her take on this production in particular in terms of costumes or production design or this specific production? Yeah. It's funny. I I feel like over the last couple of seasons on Broadway, when I think about a revival of a show, my mind immediately goes to two shows. Oklahoma, the mm-hmm. Oklahoma revival, yeah. and the West Side Story revival. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they come to my mind because what was happening on stage for those revivals were so different from previous productions. Mm-hmm. Which some people loved, some people hated. Yeah. I loved. Yeah, yeah. Just because... I like that too, yeah. It's, yeah. you know... Oh, Lou. <laughs> because... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah. And, yeah. and I just... So, one of my thoughts, again, leaving the theater last night was, I haven't... I never saw the original production in 67. Um, 76, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but I'm so curious what the changes were. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I don't know if concerned is the right word, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know if there was enough of a change mm-hmm. to make it feel the way it could have felt, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there could have been more, I feel like. To me, I look at it like there's all these projection screens and they're displaying these colors and these shapes and at times that totally works. And then at times I'm like, is this a missed opportunity to be, you, this is your only set and it's okay if you don't really want to set. But to me, the missed opportunity is like, where is like imagery of maybe like black women history behind you? Or I know we don't want to beat that over the audience's head, but where was maybe some video or some uh, some audio from the past or something else other than just these like spiralings? It was just, it looked like, it kind of looked like a screensaver at times, like a computer screensaver for a long time. And I'm like, there's a designer on this. I wish they went more with something. They had multiple projection panels up there. I don't know. I think that was a missed opportunity from a director's perspective. Well, especially because that could easily be more emotion right. driven. Right, exactly. Help drive the emotion that the audience is supposed to be feeling during these monologues. You know, mm-hmm. I get the point of putting someone maybe, you know, 
center stage to just read the monologue. But to me, I think that was missing a point of direction. Just getting in the center of the stage and reading, like, let's go to the next level. Right. Like, let's go downstage or, yeah. you know, let's figure out a way to elevate it. Right. Elevate. Yeah. Because right. that's going to make me as a viewer be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm really starting to feel something here. Especially like at the end when the lady in red is mm-hmm. doing this powerful monologue and we just have her stand there the whole time and i'm like i want uh, you hate to say it this way but like i want to see her legit break down Mm. right because i want to feel so bad because Mm -hmm. what she was saying made me feel so bad right Mm -hmm. and it's funny you brought up that scene because i was going to bring that up from a slightly different perspective because i thought that that was one of that was a a tough scene yeah yeah but one of the reasons i enjoyed that scene if that's the way you want to word it is because the the screens were black like they had like mm-hmm. the white kind of trimmer yes but that was one of the few times where there wasn't that as you richie yes. put it, screensaver <laughs> like there was no you know design and pattern like it was simple and it was basic and to me that was almost more effective than when there were things happening on the screen right. so it's like if you're going to use the projection use it in a great way yeah or don't use it at all and i I found myself preferring the moment where it wasn't really used at all. Yeah, I, I do agree in that sense right. with you on that. Like the black thing, like that's the emotion though that you're supposed to feel. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's like rock bottom right. now in this woman's right. life right. where, you know, the worst thing just happened to her. Yeah. You know? But other, otherwise in the show, <laughs> yeah, but uh, other points when the projection was up, I'm thinking... I'm I'm not listening to what any of the uh, yeah. I'm looking trying to figure out what is that pattern representing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. To me, there's also a sense of does this probably work in the round better? Yes. Does this probably work better in a theater half the size? Yes. I'm not saying it doesn't work in a commercial space, but I'm saying the intimacy of it could have maybe felt different. I if I was directing this. I don't know if I would have had the women leave the stage as much because it's all about them. I like, I always use the a reference of the Broadway revival of Chicago when they're like always on stage the whole time. There would have been something cool about them like either sitting in the audience or sitting with us or sitting on, there was one or two scenes they were sitting, watching the person. I was like, I felt all that. Mm-hmm. I saw all their faces. I wish I there was more of that communal feel. And at times they would just leave someone alone on stage. Maybe that was the point, but I, I would have liked to see them more on stage together. For me. Yes and no. Yeah. (laughs) I, yes, I think that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about with the characters are, is this one woman? Is this multiple women? And when are, when is she reflecting back on maybe the past? And that's when they're brought onto the stage. You know, is it different men that she was with, you know, in the past? And it's just kind of like a repetitive scene that keeps happening in her life. You know, you know, we watch, one of the the women go from like youthfulness to you know losing her virginity and then continuing after that with different characters and you're like i that's for me where i'm i, I was just trying to figure out like okay is this the same character mm-hmm. are we watching different women here you know it's, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i think it's also interesting to find where they're you know they're telling these stories from a racist and sexist society. To me, I found that so much of this was driven towards men and the anger that they've had towards specific men in their life, mainly partners, romantic, sexual, so be it. I found like there was this 
most of the anger necessarily to me didn't seem like it was like societal. Yes, of course it has to do with societal, but it seemed to be really targeted towards maybe there was specific men that really impacted this playwright's life because I found like so many of these women were talking about the man Mm -hmm. and what the man has done to the woman, specifically the colored woman. I mean, if she's saying that she's for colored girls who have considered suicide, they say that at the beginning and they say that at the end and the rainbow like saved them. And they, and they, and, and did the men make them consider suicide? Did what the men were doing? I don't know. I kind of kept bringing it back to it being about these men and what these men have done to them in a way. Well, yeah, but that also ties into society of course. norms because right. men, I think it was even said in a few of the monologues that he can get away with what he right. did. Right, right, Yeah. To me. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. It's it's very moving. It's very, and it's tragedy. There was comedy, though, throughout, too, and I liked that. I think that brought us on a little bit of the emotional roller coaster. I didn't feel like it was too long. I thought it was a good length of a piece. Part of me is like, I, I see this, and I see it's so groundbreaking in the 70s, and I see this production now, and I say, who, when is the, where, when is the next version of this? Well, well I guess, what, do we want another version of this? Who writes that? Does that come to the theater? Does it go further? You know, how does something like this stand? And no, I don't want to say no one's come close to it, but where is the next Colored Girls Part 2 sequel, next playwright in the next generation taking this over? Is there a space for that? Well, yeah. my two cents on that is I think there's development in the actual storylines of these monologues. That, I think, is maybe the next step in theater is could any of these be evolved into something bigger mm-hmm. to have like, yeah, like what would a performance like that last scene be like as a real play, right. you mm. know, that with dialogue between man, kids, wife husband you know and that's where i see not just you know period pieces no like actual pieces about like real life problems Mm. you know we do see that on the stage plenty of times but i don't necessarily know if we've seen something like this that has like evolved maybe from four color girls Mm -hmm. and i think that i mean that to me also goes back to kind of my excitement that it's on Broadway to begin with. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, not to get into an industry discussion, but right. just the idea that, you know, it needs to be seen yeah. that these types of shows, there is a place for these types of shows and these types of stories. And so, yeah, there is a part two. There is another yeah. playwright. Right. There, that, that stuff is happening all over the country. Sure. But unfortunately, oftentimes it's not getting a shot. Right. Because we have to fill a theater and we know that the revival of whatever is Is going to set, you know. Um, Industry conversation. (laughs) But how grateful that a commercial Broadway house is reviving this now. It was at the public and it's now back to a commercial run. I mean, that's great. But a show like this could have a moment. I don't understand, like, why we can't come up with a real business plan to have schools from all over the city mm-hmm. from out from Westchester from New Jersey from Connecticut that are bringing students to actually see plays how many times do, do a school need to go see uh, does the school need to go see wicked exactly like, right every right. year i mean uh, no why aren't we taking the students yeah. to see play works mm-hmm. you know right something like this that's where i think you know that could be a full house of students actually seeing you know stories that 
could help them in their future. Right, right. You know, so that they don't have to have a story like this. Mm-hmm. But. And, and, and mainly, you know, because of the subject matter, maybe this is a real a piece for women, a coming of age tale for girls, teenage girls, young adults. It is coming and, of and age. all age women, right. We watch it in the, what, the second scene that it's right, coming of age. Right, it's a right. high school student. She's ready for graduation. Right, 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 and she right. wants to lose her virginity. Right. It's like... Right. We all were there. Right. <laughs> you know? right, right that's right. very relatable. That's very coming of age, too. But I also think that, you know, this country doesn't really let, it doesn't want us to know those stories. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think we try to hide the youth from real life. Right? Yeah, and this really went to a, a place of raw emotion and raw energy. I mean, I'm going to also say this because we, to me, it was very inspiring for me to find out for four or five hours before seeing this particular play of any play we were just so happened to be seeing last night that Katanji Brown Jackson becomes the first black female Supreme Court justice, like, like voted through. And I'm seeing all of that. And then to go see the, the first, you know, dir- a black woman director choreographer in 67 years directing the revival of one of the most groundbreaking feminist black, like it all like, lined up like what a moment for me i took it i i ran with it and i said i am submerging myself in this day mm-hmm. and i'll never forget now that this day right. because oh remember when the when katanji brown yes i remember that day because then i saw a, a live theater piece that spoke to these and, and and i couldn't help but watching these stories on stage and say oh my gosh, I'm sitting here in 2022 hearing these stories. I know women went through this then. I know women are going through this now. And look what this woman just became today. I The whole thing for me internally, I just couldn't, every 10 or 15 minutes in the show, I couldn't help keep thinking, what happened in American history today? I just, and, and cherry on the cake, when you see the video of the vice president sealing the right. deal, who is also a woman of color, the whole thing, I'm just, I'm inspired. I was real, I was very taken by it. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah, agree or no, disagree. Completely. Yeah. And that's why these stories need to continue to be yeah. told. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I, I think from it, from it's 2022 and I can't believe that we're mm-hmm. hearing first. And that's, mm-hmm. I think of it like, <laughs> It's a little late. Why wasn't this mm. the first, like, way before I was born? Right. You yeah, know? Right. <laughs> to me, I think, like, what's inter- interesting about the industry is we love putting that word, the first, in front of something. Like, we're achieving something of greatness. No, you guys are just making yourselves feel better. Right. Uh, you're catching up. Like, yeah. If, if you're, even. Catching mm-hmm. up. You and why? Because way. you were called out. Like, no, I, I am very happy that this show is on Broadway, but like, I want more. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not stop here because I can see Broadway just going right back to where they were in 20, the beginning of 2020, you know? Yeah. It's like that song from Hairspray, the, uh, got, um, how's it? got, we come so far, but we have so far to go. Mm-hmm. It's where, what it's perspective, looking at where we've come and looking how much further we can go. And getting the theater industry to support works like this, exactly. though, yeah. is super important. Yeah. Because as soon as the producers are like, mm, well, we didn't make money off of that. Well, let's go back to, you know, the next production of uh, Mean Girls 2 on Broadway. <laughs> right. Because that's what's going to sell right. tickets. Or, you know, the 50th Music Man revival. Right. Because, you know, we could put two stars in it and we're going right. to, you know, make all the money that we want. I mean, I think we need to do better as a theater industry, as right. a theater mm-hmm. community, and support more works new works you know 
Right. But that's, yeah. just, that's just what... Uh, what did you think about the... Just getting yeah. back to the mm-hmm. specific production. Um, we talked a little bit about the projection. Yeah. We talked a little <laughs> bit about... Uh, the, a little bit about the dance. I want to talk a little bit more about the dance yeah. aspect and the music. How that came in. How I, I believe it was live. Because there was a conductor... There was some. I, th- I think there was a lot of live music in it. Some of it sounded. Some of it wasn't. Some of it wasn't, and some of it was. I, if you're gonna, to me, to, I, some of it wasn't. To me, I'm when you're doing a piece like this, expose it. So like, put the instrumentalists on stage. Like, I'm all for like, what are we hiding here? Like, we have all these projection walls up. Why? Like, we could have just did one wall in the back with projections and put musicians on stage and leave the dancers up there and. And expose, if we're exposing the stories, I would have liked to see some instrumentalists on stage, maybe. I think that would have been cool, instead of hidden somewhere. I liked the way that the music and the dance made me feel after Mm -hmm. certain things. I definitely think it added to the show as a whole and the emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it also brought the show current. Because I don't know what the sound would have been like in 1976. Right. And was this a 2022 sound? Right. Or whenever they first did the revival. But, um, yeah, I think that could be the part, like, going back to what you said earlier, is what was the show in 1976 mm-hmm. and what is the show now? Mm-hmm. Is that what brought it current? Because, like, the costumes also kind of brought it current, too. Yeah. I know there was some, like, yeah. 70s flair and <laughs> 80s. Right. It was a th- you know? homage to the I mean, original. I have shorts like one of those girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. D. Woods. <laughs> Danny Decay. <laughs> I had to yeah. shout out. Which also, she's the dance captain on uh, oh. this show, which was... Oh, that's very yeah. cool. That's I, very I cool. saw that in the playbook. Oh, that's like, great. I, I actually really like seeing her on Broadway. And I, from an acting perspective, I would love to give all these women credit where credit's due, too. They were yeah. really acting they are really... out some of these roles mm-hmm. here. And that that was a major you know turning point in the show for me was right. that... To go deep in those, I would think, what is this? The fourth preview, yeah, fourth, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah fourth. Yeah. Uh, they're only going to get better and right, better as right. they keep reciting these. Well, and it's so funny that you bring that up because I remember, first of all, just being excited when this show was announced. That yes, was back yes, back. yes. And then I kept thinking, oh, who's going to be in the show? You know, and I was like, we need to get our tickets because when they announce, yeah, there's going to be stars. And so I was yeah. surprised when you know there are a few people that we recognize in this show that have been in other productions of other shows, but I was. Initially, I was surprised that there wasn't a big Broadway name or a, a, a name that was a, a lead and something, you know, yeah. um, not taking anything away from these women or their talents at all. Um, but that was somewhat surprising to me. But these these women are up there, you know, yeah. they're excellent. Wonderful. Do you think sometimes, because we see this in plays a lot, that it's either one or the other. It's we're going to put a lot of like first in a show or, you know, smaller Broadway names or it's like superstars. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like with seven women telling a story and telling this story, I thought that there was an opportunity mm-hmm. and, and, and for one or two, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I just, I immediately, and I don't want to go back to the movie, but I immediately was like, okay, they're going to cast the Nikanani Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. already done. Right. You know, like right. I had it all in my head, yeah. what was going to happen. And right. then when they announced the list, I'm like, oh, right. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that could definitely be from a casting choice of let's let the piece speak for itself mm-hmm. and not just sell tickets. Yep, and I kind of appreciate that more. You know, yeah, because maybe we're becoming in a moment in the industry where some shows are 
Some shows don't need it. Some shows need it. The Music Man might need the stars, and this might not. And that's okay in a way. You know, maybe mm. it depends. Maybe the t- well, that when you says s- something for the Music Man. Well, well yeah, but anyway. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Well. <laughs> and uh, oh, it's time! It's time! Time! We're gonna wrap it up. Time, yeah. wow. <laughs> that was loud, right? That was really loud. Oh, it, it, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we're going to do our quick wrap up. So everyone go one minute down. Give us your final thoughts on the piece. Why don't we start? You're in the hot seat. Yes. Okay. What's your final I, wrap up? My <laughs> final wrap up is, again, I'm happy that it's on Broadway. I hope people support this piece um, just because it, it's it's a great piece and it will lead to other equally important stories on Broadway in the future. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For I, sure. I'm in agreement with you. I was super happy to see a, a piece like this on Broadway and um if we support more works like this, there's going to be more in the future. Um, and I would love to, you know, give those women up on stage credit for what they're doing because it's a super powerful piece as well. Yeah, this is important. And things like this need to keep happening. And we need to be inspiring new playwrights with pieces like this to say, I'm going to write the next one of mm-hmm. these. And I'm going to learn from the past and, and, and embrace that. And, and, and I'll always say when it comes down to these, especially when these stories are rooted in truth, they, the, these, these stories have to be told. Mm-hmm. And they have to be told alive. I'm always a fan of telling them live and in person and, and keep telling the stories. Let's find these. When, when Trouble in Mind came back and that play came when these play let's keep telling the stories it was a story it's a story that needs to be told mm-hmm. and it's very important yeah, yeah real life experiences yeah right. and that's that's what makes you feel things. yeah yeah so well thank you all for listening we hope you enjoyed our 50th anniversary yes. not 50th anniversary 50th episode <laughs> 50 years wow it's been a long time no 50th episode we hope you enjoyed today please subscribe to our podcast on spotify or apple music leave us a review if you loved what you heard today we also want you to join in our conversation engage with us so head over to our instagram at half hour podcast comment on the latest post about this podcast episode uh there's also our other instagram for two worlds entertainment uh at two worlds end but the podcast one is at half hour podcast and you can find more information on Tariq and Jeff and Richie there as well. And let us know what you thought about our lovely guest. Yes, comment. We love having a guest on today. And Tariq, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank so you thank, you, thank you. Thank you so much for being he here. sees a show with us, maybe he'll come back. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have you back. Right? Well, signing off for now. Until next time, I'm Richie. I'm Jeff. I'm Tariq. <laughs> <laughs> Saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.